0: Well, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1. So for the last three weeks, we've been going through Luke's story of Jesus' birth and have had a rich feast as we've been preparing our hearts for Christmas. And I'm thrilled that this morning we get to return to the book of Ephesians, one of my favorite books in the Bible. Now remember about Ephesians, this was written to a church in Ephesus. And Ephesus was a spiritually difficult place to live because living there meant that you were surrounded by people of many different religions, kind of like here. Remember the temple of Artemis was there, one of the the seven wonders of the world, one of the biggest buildings in the Roman Empire was right there in Ephesus, a temple devoted to the worship of this false goddess, Artemis. Plus, Ephesus was a center for the practice of magic and the dark arts. So it would have been difficult to live in Ephesus as a follower of Jesus. And What Paul does is he wants to encourage those who are living in spiritually difficult places. And so how does Paul encourage people like us, people like those in Ephesus, who are living in a spiritually difficult place? He starts off by listing seven spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus. So let's read verses 1 through 14. We'll review the first six spiritual blessings that we've already covered and then introduce the seventh which we'll be talking about today in verses 13 and 14. So start with verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. There's the first spiritual blessing. Before the foundation of the world, he chose us. If you are trusting Jesus Christ right now, that's because... In eternity past, before the foundation of the world, God chose you to be holy and blameless before him. It's not because of any distinctive that was in you, anything good that was in you. He chose you. You were his enemy, you were a slave of sin, and he chose you to be holy and blameless. What this does is, this means that the foundation of your salvation doesn't rest upon your fickle will and discipline and spirituality. It rests on the rock-solid foundation of God's sovereign choosing. It's the spiritual blessing of election, a massive foundation for you to rest on when you're living in a spiritually difficult place. Keep going. Verse 4b, in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. There's the second spiritual blessing predestination. That's a spiritual blessing that, again, before the foundation of the world, God set his affections upon you when you were running from him, and he predestined you to be adopted as his son, his adopted son, his daughter, his adopted daughter. He loves you. He predestined you. What a beautiful blessing to ponder and to rest in, Third, verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. That's freedom from sin's power. Progressive freedom and then final freedom in heaven. Fourth spiritual blessing, the forgiveness of our trespasses. That's freedom from sin's guilt, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. Then the fifth spiritual blessing, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, in Christ, things in heaven, and things on earth. So the fifth spiritual blessing is God has let us know what his plan for world history is. What is his plan for the universe? It's to unite everything in glorifying Jesus Christ. Everything. Satan in judgment, lost people in judgment. Oh, let's reach out to our neighbors and preach the good news. Saved people in heaven. Everything is going to be displaying the glory, the majesty, the worth of Christ. And God has let us know that so we can align our lives with that purpose now. Sixth spiritual blessing, verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. So the sixth spiritual blessing is the inheritance, which we're going to be talking about more today. And then the seventh, which we haven't covered yet, but we're going to this morning, verses 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. There they are. Seven amazing spiritual blessings. So let me encourage you. When you find that you are struggling spiritually living in this country, when you find your faith weakening or temptation pulling, Or when you start to think, is this really true about who Jesus is? When when you find maybe yourself getting more lukewarm or complacent, I would urge you, open up to Ephesians chapter 1 and pray over these seven spiritual blessings. Paul wrote them to encourage people like us who are living in a spiritually difficult place. And as you read and pray over these, the Holy Spirit will take these truths And you will find your faith strengthening. You'll find your sense of God's love growing, your love and worship of Jesus Christ increasing, your confidence that he came, he died, he rose again, he's coming again, that everyone needs to hear the good news. Your faith in these truths is going to rise. So when you struggle spiritually in this country, go through these seven blessings. Now, this morning, the blessing of being sealed With the Holy Spirit let's read verses 13 and 14 again and look at what Paul says in him you also when now underline that word when so he's talking about when you were first saved when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation so so think back about when you first heard the gospel and when you were saved maybe this was in a church service somebody was some pastor was faithfully preaching God's word to you maybe it was your parents putting you on their knees saying let's read this bible story together and they shared the gospel maybe this is a friend who shared the gospel so he's talking about when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him what happened then he says you were sealed with the promised holy spirit at that moment you were sealed with the promised holy spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance Until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory Powerful two verses So what does it mean to be sealed with the Holy Spirit? Let's start there What does that mean? And what helped me understand what it means is to notice Just the word sealed in verse 13 to dig a little deeper into what that means And also the word guarantee in verse 14 These two words together help us understand what it means to be sealed with the Spirit So the Greek word "sealed." what does it mean? Well, very often it, back in that culture Greco-Roman culture if you wrote a letter to someone When you finished the letter you'd want them to know that this was really from you and so you might melt Wax a little pool of wax at the bottom any of you ever done this with a letter Okay a little a little pool of wax and then you would take your own personal seal Which maybe has your name on it and your crest or your insignia and you would you would impress that seal into that wax And so that wax then at the bottom of the letter would have your seal, your name, your seal, your crest, which guarantees to the person reading the letter, this is really from you. Or they might do it after the letter was closed and folded and put the wax there, but still, what the seal did in that culture was it guaranteed to the reader who the author of the letter is. That's the word seal that's used here. That's what's what's going on in this. So the seal guarantees something. Keep that word in mind. Now, Paul says that when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Christ, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So just like a seal leaving its its imprint in that wax would guarantee who the author was, so the Holy Spirit leaving his imprint upon us guarantees something to us. See how that works? Just like the seal in the letter imprinting that melted wax would guarantee who the author was to those reading the letter So when you put your trust in Christ the Holy Spirit imprinted you impacted you and That guarantees something to you now What does he guarantee to us? When we're sealed with the Spirit, what is guaranteed to us and the answer to that is in verse 14 read verses 13 and 14 together though just to get the flow of thought so again in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised holy spirit impacted with the promised holy spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory so what the holy spirit Guarantees to us when he seals us is our inheritance Now Paul talked about the inheritance in verses 11 and 12 What is the inheritance? Because you are trusting Jesus Christ right now you have an inheritance Have you thought about your inheritance this last week you have an inheritance coming? I mean if you had an uncle who? left you an inheritance of say a hundred million durham would you have thought about that this last week? <laughs> I bet you, you would have. And listen, the inheritance that we have in Christ is infinitely more valuable than 100 million Durham would ever be. What is our inheritance that we have in Christ? It's, it's the joy of seeing Jesus face to face, beholding your Savior, your friend, your God, Jesus, who loves you, and who gave himself for you. It's bowing before him. It's having him wipe every tear from your eyes. It's having him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. It's joining with all the redeemed from every nation, tongue, and tribe, kind of like we are here, exalting Jesus, praising him, thanking the Father for sending Jesus. That's the inheritance. It's, it's the joy that you will have in beholding Jesus, and that is the best inheritance imaginable because there is no joy in the world that comes close to comparing with the joy that's there when we behold our Savior, love our Jesus, worship our Master. There's nothing like Jesus. You know, you've tasted, nothing can compare. So that's the inheritance. That's the inheritance. And so just like the the imprint of a seal on the wax guarantees the author of a letter to us so the imprint of the holy spirit in our hearts guarantees our inheritance to us so it's really important to understand just like the imprint on the wax would guarantee who the author of the letter is to the reader so the imprint of the holy spirit in our hearts guarantees to us the inheritance now how does the holy spirit guarantee the inheritance. How does he do that? And what helped me see that was to unpack the word guarantee. What does that word mean? And it has the meaning of guarantee as in the sense of a deposit or a down payment. Here's what Gordon Fee says. Gordon Fee Um, For many years was a professor at a seminary gordon conwell seminary in the u.s He wrote this amazing book called god's empowering presence Which is this massive book on all the passages in paul where he talks about the holy spirit and goes through all of them So I opened up to ephesians 1 13 and 14 and read here's what he says about this word guarantee He says the word guarantee is a technical term for the first installment or down payment of the total amount due so first installment, down payment of a total amount due. The Spirit himself is the down payment. God's down payment in our lives that guarantees our certain future. So the Holy Spirit guarantees our inheritance by being like a deposit or like a down payment of, of money. So let's say if you're going to buy a house, okay, and so maybe you need, you know, a couple hundred thousand dirham or... Maybe it's more here whatever it is anyway, so let's say you're gonna buy a house so you need 500,000 Durham Okay, so you have that money here, but the seller doesn't know anything about that money So what you would do is you would take a, a deposit of that money and you would give it to the seller Okay so you take a part of all the money you've got, and you give it to the seller and say, this shows you that I'm serious. Take the house off the market. We want to do the inspections now. And So the seller would say, okay, all right, this is a pretty good chunk of money here. This is real money. It shows that he has money. There's more coming. Okay, so, so that deposit is guaranteeing the full amount. See how that works? Okay, some of you bought houses. You know how that goes? All right. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. So here's the inheritance, all the joy you're going to have in knowing Jesus Christ forever. The heartfulness, the worship, the praise, your heart overflowing with rivers of living water, that's your inheritance forever, all of what you're going to have, okay? This is the inheritance, eternity, future. But see, you're over here, you're thinking, ah, you know, so the Holy Spirit is a portion of that takes a portion of that, he is a portion of that, and he gives you an actual taste of the joys of heaven itself. Mm. That's powerful. See, so again, just like a deposit of money, you might take part of it and give it to the seller. So here's the whole inheritance, and the Holy Spirit takes a portion of that and gives that to us when he seals us, when we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does so when when we receive the gift of the holy spirit in the new testament it's described in many different ways sometimes it's described as having god's love poured into your heart so the the real love of god that you're going to feel and experience in heaven you get a taste of that when you're sealed with the spirit okay the the joy of beholding god's glory in christ that's going to be yours in heaven the holy spirit gives us a a real taste of that now in the holy spirit do you see that works so that, that's what Paul is talking about here. Now, a picture like this. I wanted to give you a little, little bit of a visual here. So some people talk about, you know, you Christians, you just believe like in pie in the sky by and by. Right? It's like this. You think there's some just incredible pie out there, that, and you're like pinning all your hopes on this awesome pie. It's going to be great. And they say, look, it's just pie in the sky by and by. It's not even there. You're just foolish. Okay? Now, God has news for us. There is a pie there. <laughs> there is a pie there, and it's much bigger than this one, okay? And there's the inheritance awaiting for us. Oh, and when we enjoy that, it's going to fill us with never-ending, always-increasing joy forever in knowing God. But but so the problem is we're over here, and we'd love a guarantee of that. So when God seals you with the Holy Spirit, he takes a slice of that pie, this is working, okay, and he, oh yeah, there it is, and when you first hear the word of truth, the gospel, and believe, okay, oh, this is going to be good, it's real, it's awesome, I love this. I want to live everything for the glory of knowing God forever in heaven. See how that works? Okay. So when you're first sealed with the Spirit, I'm sorry, when you first believe in Christ, you're sealed with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you a portion of, of the pie. Remember, this is from the inheritance right here. You have a taste. And then throughout your Christian life, as you continue to seek God's face, as you continue to pray, as you continue to study His Word, He will give you times, like tomorrow morning, I I need another taste, Lord. Okay. Oh, yes. That's right. It's awesome. Just let's take a little break here for me. Okay, I want to finish this up. No. So we got the inheritance here. We've got the gift of the Spirit, which is what being sealed. We're stamped with the Spirit in our hearts. We're impressed with that. We taste, and then throughout our Christian lives, time and time again, as we seek Him, as we pray, as we're in His Word, He will give us tastes of the inheritance. So do you see how It's like a deposit, this is like a down payment of what's to come, all right? Now, there really is a pie, and the Holy Spirit gives us a real taste of the joy of knowing Christ forever, seeing him face to face, of the love of God that we'll experience forever in heaven. And as I thought about this, there's really three ways that the sealing of the Spirit guarantees our inheritance. One way is it, it guarantees to us that the inheritance is real. Okay, because when, when you taste of the glory of God in Christ, when you have a taste of the love of God being poured into your heart, at that point, you're tasting a little bit of heaven, and you know it's, it's real. It's not just pie in the sky by and by, but it is actually real. It's there. You're, because the joy that the Holy Spirit gives you, it's not like any other joy in the world, Right? Um, It's a spiritual joy. It's uh, like an otherworldly joy. It's, It's the joy of Jesus in his glory revealed through the scriptures. No other joy is like that. No other joy compares. It is so rich. It is so real. It is so satisfying. This is heaven. I'm getting a taste of heaven. So it guarantees that the inheritance is real. Secondly, it guarantees that the inheritance is yours. Because the only people who are sealed with the Spirit, the only people who get a taste of heaven are those who have turned from their sin and put their trust in Jesus Christ to save them. So the fact that you have a taste of heaven shows I'm born again, which means God is going to keep me on the road all the way to heaven. I am going to be there so the inheritance is real, number one, and it is mine, number two, because only saved people get a taste of this. So it's real. It's mine, and then third, the inheritance is worth it all, all satisfying, because the joy of beholding Christ in his glory, having God pour his love into your heart, the joys that you have in Christ are vastly, infinitely greater than any other joy that you will taste here in this world. So it's real, it's mine, and it's all satisfying. So again, let me, let me play out how this works. So here you are. Here's the inheritance here. You hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You believe in him, and you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and says, here, have a taste. Okay? And that taste of the glory of Christ, of the love of God, impresses you in your heart. And so you know the inheritance is real. Heaven is real. This is all real. It's mine, because I've been saved through faith in Christ, and it is worth it all. The glory of beholding Christ is worth saying no to sin for, worth advancing the gospel for, worth forgiving people around me for. The glory, the joy of knowing him is worth it all. And so you're, you're guaranteed. When you're saved, that work of the Holy Spirit, it's real, it's yours, and it's all satisfying. But it doesn't stop there at conversion. Okay, you're, you're, you're carrying this with you. The Holy Spirit is still in you and you will have times in your Christian life when you open up the scriptures. Maybe this afternoon, kneel down by your bed, open up the word of God. You're praying, you're seeking his face and there will be times when the Holy Spirit comes and gives you a fresh taste. It's like, oh God, you're here. You're glorious. Oh Lord Jesus, I love you. Thank you for coming. Showing me your glory in the word and you'll taste again and you'll know that Heaven is real, heaven is yours, and heaven is all satisfying. Do you see how that works? That's what Paul is talking about here. Now, let me clarify. This is not something that we experience all the time. No believer experiences this constantly. I certainly do not, okay? And none of us do. We will in heaven, okay? But the Holy Spirit will give us times in our lives as we seek him, as we pray, as we Open up the scriptures. He will give us times. It'll come from time to time, and it'll come in varying degrees. Sometimes it'll be more, sometimes it'll be less. Okay, that's up to God. He loves us. He knows exactly what we need, He knows exactly what's best for us. But the point I want to make is it's not just at conversion, because we're carrying this with us, and He will give us times throughout our Christian life until we make it to heaven. Okay. Now, this might be a new thought to some of you. You're thinking, okay, pie, cute illustration, you know. Is is, is this taught in the Bible? And it is in Ephesians 1, 13, and 14. But let me give you three more scriptures just to, to back this up. I want to see, I want us to have a solid foundation of this. So three scriptures. Where else is this taught in scripture? Here's three of the other places. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 through 22. Here Paul uses the same word seal and the same word guarantee and talks about the Spirit, but look at what else he says. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put His seal on us, exact same Greek word right there, and given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So what is new in this passage is we see, okay, the sealing of the Spirit is the same thing as when God gives us the Holy Spirit at the point of conversion. And when He gives us the Holy Spirit and He seals us with the Spirit, two different phrases describing the same thing, it's something that we experience in our hearts, right? It's God's love is poured into our hearts. The Holy Spirit shows us Jesus' glory through the truth of the gospel. We see, we feel, we experience. You're real as we see who He is in the truth of the word. So 2 Corinthians 1 adds the fact that the sealing involves us God involves God giving us the spirit and doing that in our hearts in a way that we see and the way that we feel and experience. Okay, look also at 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8. This is a shocking verse. Because what Peter says here is he describes what what all of his readers experience. And by implication what all of us who are believers can and will experience <laughs> look at first uh, first peter 1 verse 8 peter says though you have not seen him he's talking about jesus though you have not seen him you love him though you do not now see him you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory Now, the reason that is so shocking is because heaven is all about joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. And what Peter's telling us is that we can have a taste of that now. In other words, we can have some of that joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. So again, heaven is full of joy that's inexpressible and full of glory, but we don't need to wait for heaven for that. We can have a taste of that now and when we taste that joy that is inexpressible and full of glory oh, heaven is real, it is ours and it is all satisfying look also at what Peter says same book, end of the book chapter 5 verse 1, First Peter chapter 5 verse 1, here Peter talks about what he himself experiences he says so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, so Peter says, now I'm a, I'm a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. I've, been a, I've, I've already been a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker now, is what he's saying, in the glory that is going to be revealed. Okay, so, so here's glory that is going to be revealed, okay, the inheritance. And Peter says that he is a partaker now of that glory. You see how that works? There's glory that's going to be revealed. All through 1 Peter, Peter talks about the glory of Jesus that's going to be revealed when he returns. So that's the inheritance. The glory of Jesus will be revealed. But Peter says he's a partaker of it now by the Holy Spirit. Now, as I was thinking about this, I thought of David Brainerd. Uh, some of you have heard of David Brainerd. If you haven't, I hope you, you will. You'll um, learn more about him. David Brainerd was one of the first um, missionaries to the American Indians in the early 1700s. And in his 20s, he was ministering there, saw hundreds of Indians brought to faith in Christ. Um, He ended up dying because of the rigors and the hardships. He ended up coming down with tuberculosis because he was out living in a little shack and it was cold and his diet wasn't very good. He ended up dying in his late 20s. After he had died, it was discovered that he had written a journal. Nobody knew about this. Describing his heart experiences with the Lord. And he had some highs, and he had some lows. And I would encourage you all to read this book. It's still being published today. The Life and Diary of David Brainerd. But I remembered that there were some places in his diary where he talks about exactly what we've been talking about here. Look at what he writes in... This is... Friday, August 20th, he was very humble. Here's what he says, I appeared so vile to myself that I could not think of preaching in public because of my spiritual pride. So the Holy Spirit was convicting him of spiritual pride, and he just, he was, how can I preach? I'm so full of spiritual pride, but look what happened next. However, tonight, I enjoyed a sweet hour alone with God. I was lifted above the frowns and flatteries of this lower world, had a sweet relish, it's like taste, right? A sweet relish of heavenly joys, and my soul did, as it were, get into the eternal world and really taste of heaven. You see that? Now, he's not saying he went to heaven, but he was here, he was having tasting heavenly joys. He was having a taste of what it would be like to be in God's very presence. See, because when God pours his love into your heart, that's his love being poured into your heart. You're not just knowing that he loves you, you're feeling it, you're experiencing it, which is exactly what will hap- be happening when we're in heaven. Look at what else he says. One other journal I wanted to share with Journal entry I wanted to share with you. Tuesday, April 27th. I retired pretty early for secret devotions. And in prayer, God was pleased to pour such comforts into my soul that I could do nothing but say over and over, Oh, my sweet Savior. Oh, my sweet Savior. My soul never enjoyed so much of heaven before. It was the most refined and most spiritual season of communion with God I ever yet felt. Now see, that's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. Let's, let's turn back to that now. I want, I want to read those two verses and, so that you can see what Paul's saying in these verses because I'm hoping that in weeks to come, months to come, years to come, you will frequently turn to Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 and pray over those verses saying, God, give me a fresh taste of heaven. Give me a fresh taste of your love. Show me your glory. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So that happens at conversion, okay? You're impacted, just like the seal impresses the wax and guarantees to the reader that the letter is from the author, so the Holy Spirit impacts us, impresses us, and by enabling us to see and feel and taste the love of God, the glory of Christ, and so he guarantees to us the future inheritance. So that happens at conversion, but it doesn't stop at conversion. Verse 14, who is, not just was, but who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So he continues to be the guarantee, the deposit the down payment of the inheritance. He will give us times throughout our Christian life where as we are seeking his face, he will show us God's glory. He will pour God's love into our hearts. He will fill us with joy in beholding Christ our Savior. That's what Paul is saying. Now, what does this mean for us as a church? Those of you who are here, what does this mean? Let me give you four takeaways. Okay, first of all, for those of you here who are not yet trusting Jesus, we are glad you're here. And it's no accident that God wanted you to be here to hear this message from the book of Ephesians. Because we want you to see what God will do when he saves you. This is what God will do. Do you see how much God loves us? See, he knows our faith is weak. He knows we're not sure of these things. He knows we need help. And so what our loving, gracious, compassionate God does is when you turn from your sin and you put your trust in Jesus, one of the things he does is he will seal you with the Holy Spirit. That is, you will be impacted in your heart with God's love and Jesus' glory. And you won't just know about these things, but you will see and feel and experience these things. And so, again, you'll know it's all right real, it is mine, and it is worth it all. So see what God will do for you when he saves you. So maybe this morning is the morning. It's like, okay, you are ready. I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want this. We'd love to pray with you when we're finished here. Or maybe this is the morning. You're you're just learning more things. You aren't quite ready to make a commitment yet. All right. We'd love to have you come to Christ, but I hope that this will help move you along. See what God will do when he saves you. Second takeaway, if you are trusting Jesus, see what God will do as you seek him. It's so dangerous if we let our times with God just become just dutiful, right? Where I read my chapters, I prayed through my list, I'm good, and now I'm done, can get on to what I really want to do, right? Right? Anybody else struggle with that ever? I do. We all do. Let the Lord use this passage and to, to open your eyes to what He can do when you seek Him. This won't happen every time, and it won't happen to the same degree every time, but He will give you times where He opens the heavens up, and you see with the eyes of your heart, and you feel in your heart His glory, His love, His very presence. And when that happens, in a fresh way, the inheritance is guaranteed. I know this is all real. It's mine, and it's worth it all. It'll be so helpful to you. So press in with your times with God. Don't settle for too little. Don't just go through the motions. And set aside some special times, maybe where you'd set aside a day to fast and to pray. Set aside some special seasons where you're just going to go hard after God. I want to seek your face today. Come and meet me. See what God can and will do as you seek him. Listen, Grace Church, Abu Dhabi needs believers who have, have and are tasting of the glory of God. Abu Dhabi needs believers who have a guarantee in their heart that this is all real because that will free us, that will fill us, that will embolden us. So see what God will do as you seek him. Third, if you've been seeking God in the word and prayer and have not been experiencing much, what should you do? Be patient and keep seeking, right? Right? There's many times where I'm praying, I'm seeking, and there's not a whole lot happening, but okay, Lord, I know, I know this is good. I know this is beneficial for me. I'll be back soon, you know, and that just happens. That's all right, but see, keep, keep patient. Keep seeking. That's just reality of the Christian life, and, and even then, God's loving you. Now, I do need to mention if there is sin in your life, if there's some unconfessed sin, if there's somebody you haven't forgiven, There's some little private part and say, well, this is my area. I'm just going to go ahead and I know this is wrong, but I've got all all this is good, but I've, I've got this, Lord, okay? Is that all right? See, sin quenches the work of the Holy Spirit, grieves the work of the Holy Spirit, and God loves you too much to pour out His heartfelt grace when you're holding on to sin because that sin is dangerous. And so, you know, if there's sin in your life, confess it. You don't need to be perfect to experience this because none of us are. But we do need to be repentant and confessing of all known sin. Do you understand that? So important. So if you're seeking God in the Word and prayer and have not been experiencing much, be patient, keep seeking, be repenting, and God will work in a beautiful way. And then fourth takeaway. When you experience this work of the Holy Spirit, when God pours His love into your heart, when God shows you the glory of Jesus so you see and you feel and you love, humble yourself and thank Him. It, it's a gift of grace. This is to the praise of His glory. The last few words of verse 14. This is not to the praise of your glory. This is not that you earned it by your seeking. You didn't earn it by your praying. This is a blood-bought gift. Our seeking, our praying, our praying, could never deserve this because this side of heaven, it's still shot through with impurities, right? We always need the cross. We always need to be forgiven. We always need to be clothed with Jesus' perfect righteousness. So even when God pours his love into your heart, it's like, this is a gift from you. This is a glorious gift from you. And so fall to your knees, thank him, praise him, give all the glory to him. And I want to stress that because there can be the danger of spiritual pride that comes in when God pours his spirit out upon us in this way. Let's not have that happen here at Grace Church. When God gives us these tastes, let this drive us further in humility and further in, uh, our, to our knees before the Lord, thanking Him for His grace in Christ. Now, let's all stand together. I want to pray this over us. Could some guys come and move this table down so the worship team can come up also? That'd be helpful. This table can just go. All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that you would pour out your spirit in a fresh way upon us here at Grace Church. Thank you for all that you have been doing. Lord, we want more, and you want us to want more. And so, Father, I pray that right now you would pour out your spirit upon us. I pray that you would convict those of us for whom our times in the word and prayer have become just, just duty. But Lord, we've lost our hunger. We've lost our expectancy of what you promised to do. So Lord, right now we repent, we confess of that. Just go ahead in your own heart. If that's you, confess this to the Lord. Lord, we're sorry for for settling for so little. We're sorry for just going through the motions. We're sorry for not really meaning it. Lord, give us a fresh heart of hunger and thirst for you as we see what you can and will do. God, I pray for any of us where we just, we really don't have much going on between us and you in terms of in your word, in terms of prayer. God, I pray that that right now you would bring conviction, that you'd give us faith that, that this can happen, we can do this. I know people are really busy here, but Lord, nothing is more important than this. This is more important than eating. This is more important than breathing. This is eternity we're talking about. This is our creator, God, and our savior, Jesus, that we can spend time with. So Lord, grip our hearts with the importance of this so that there's a fresh yes we're saying to you, Father, those of us here who have been earnestly seeking you and where it's been a while and we feel like we're in a dry time, Lord, help us to trust you. You love us. Your timing is perfect. Help us to trust you. Help us to be patient and help us to persevere. Help us to press in. Help us to join Jacob and say, we will not let you go until you bless us. We want you. We need you. We long for you. Come. So, Lord, do that, I pray. Lord, I pray for those here who are not yet trusting Jesus as their Savior and Lord and treasure. I pray that you would stir their hearts with what you, the living God, promised to do as they put their trust in Christ, that you will give them a taste of heaven's joys so they will know. And, Lord, draw them to Christ right now, I pray. Come and do this. Pour out your Spirit.